Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Alright, I want to get into the teaching of today. Turn the Bible's Ephesians chapter 4. From verse 11, we'll read, we'll read from verse 11 to 13. Are you in Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 11? Everybody read together, one, two, go. Come on, you can read better than that, one, two, go. And he himself gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ, everybody read verse 13 loud as you can. One, two, go. It says, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You see... To begin my commentary on this text, I want to start with an ancient quote by a man named Augustine of Hippo, St. Augustine of Hippo. He said, without God, man cannot. And without man, God will not. I'm going to say that again. He says, without God, man cannot. And without man, God will not. You see, the first part of that quote we know as a church and we emphasize it, we've sung about it. God, we can't, we can't do anything without you. But the second part of it is as true. That without man, God will not. And listen, if the church learns this, oh my God, we will rise up with a sense of responsibility and we will see more results than we have been seeing. Listen, the Bible says the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's. But the earth has it given to the sons of men. God has given the earth to us to have dominion over. And so God will not do for us what he has asked us to do in his name. This is part of the problems with this nation. You see, God will not build our nation for us. He will not. God sure will not vote for us. He cannot. And to my emphasis today, guess what? God will not preach the gospel for us. It's his message, but the responsibility has been given to us. And I'm saying this as an introduction to help you understand why we do what we do. Why we have apostolic visit at Beakota and why we've had apostolic visits in several other places and we won't stop. It's because he has given us this responsibility. He is all powerful, but he... He will not preach the message by himself. And so in the throne room of God, Isaiah had the privilege to see God in his splendor and in his power and in his might. And what might be a contrast to you is this. Despite the power and the splendor of God, he looks and he says, who shall I send? Who will go for us? Because without man, God will not. Preaching is man's job. Come on, are you with me? Preaching is man's job. And God raises men with men. And that's why he sent us. And 
that's why in the body of Christ we have apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. I'll give you two stories in the Bible that paint a picture of this in an emphatic way. Just think about Ethiopian eunuch. The Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8. He's on his chariot reading Isaiah 53 verse 7. He's trying to understand it. Listen, just imagine someone trying to know God. He's reading his Bible, reading the scriptures, trying to know God. And God wants him to know him. God sees him struggling. But God doesn't say, okay, this is what it means. He doesn't say that because it's not his job. You know what God does? God sends an angel to Philip. And the angel says to Philip, Go and join yourself to this man's chariots and explain the scriptures to him. So Philip literally had to run and try to overtake the chariots and join the chariot to teach him the word of God because preaching is man's job. Say that when we say preaching is man's job. Now think of the, 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 the man named Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. Cornelius, the Bible says, was a devout man. He gave, you know, to charity regularly, gave alms to the poor. He prayed regularly. He didn't really know God, but he honored God and he wasn't saved. God wanted him to be saved, but God was not going to preach to him because preaching is man's job. And so an angel appeared to him, this was Acts 10, and said, send for a man named Peter. He will tell you words by which you'll be saved because preaching is man's job. That's why we do what we do. There must be a sense of urgency for this message because as beautiful as the message is, the message won't preach itself. And so the Bible says, Paul speaking to the church at Rome, in Romans chapter 10 verse 14, it says, how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher. Preaching is man's job. How shall they hear without a preacher? And so when you read a text like Ephesians chapter 4, two very important things stand out to you. Number one, I already mentioned the fact that God raises men with men. And that by the preaching and the examples of men, it is a powerful picture of God's plan for your life. Yeah, we know about preaching, but listen, we also need to be awakened to the power of example. When you see someone doing what you are born to do, the, the, the example I like to give is the example of Jesus walking on water. Peter saw that encounter and wanted it so bad. He said, if it is you, ask me to come. There is something about the miraculous in the lives of others that draws you out and lures you into the same. It, it kindles in you an interest for the same. You say, God, if it is you, ask me to come. I want to do it too. I want to do it too. You might have read it in books, but the day you see someone do it, it has a different impact. Come on, are you, are you with me? A good example has the impact of a thousand sermons. And that's why Paul said to Timothy, 
He said, take it to yourself and the doctrine. Not just the doctrine. As a preacher, don't just be particular about the eloquence of your preaching, but your personal example. You must exemplify the message. He said, take it to yourself and the doctrine. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. Take heed not just to the doctrine, but to yourself. That's the power of an example. I posted something on my Instagram days ago. Just a video, a very simple video of God's general, you know, Pastor W.F. Komuyi, just walking, you know, he was just walking and carrying his Bible. And that simple video touched me so much, I was almost in tears. Because just by that video, a man at the age of 81, you know, just walking, still carrying his Bible, about to preach again. After how many decades, I saw an example of consistency, of fortitude. I saw that it is possible to keep your faith for decades, to keep your conviction for decades. To, just by that clip, I had the impact of a thousand sermons. And that's the power of an example. When God loves you, he gives you examples. The Bible says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. This generation is so sensual, we only appreciate material gifts. But sometimes, the gift of God to you is a person. Are you listening to me? He brings someone your way to model what he wants to do in your future so that you can have a mirror and just when you are getting comfortable and getting mediocre you just say no, 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 no listen, a man of God called me he said I was going through just your Instagram he says and I was impacted he said the spirit of God came on me and I just knew it is possible he said I just knew I should be doing more with my life just by seeing your page I'm saying this because that impartation is coming on someone today. Listen, you are just going to leave this place with a vow, a divine conviction not to do anything less than what God will have you do with your life. There will be a fresh fire, a fire shot up in your bones. You won't be able to stay. When you want to go the way of the world, the fire won't let you. When you just want to be mediocre, the fire won't let you. raises men with men. You see that in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 to 13. And then you also see that growth remains the goal. Growth remains the goal. We don't just go to church for going sake. Come on, are you with me? I said we don't just go to church for going sake. Growth remains the goal. He says until we all come. Hi. Meaning we must all arrive in terms of understanding. In the unity of the faith. He calls that arrival a perfect man. He calls it the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We must apprehend. We must understand. This is very important. You see. And this is encouraging. Every true ministry gift knows that his goal is to help you come. To help you understand. To help you arrive. So, ministry gifts are not superstars that we just gush over as we see them soar in unattainable heights. The heights are not unattainable. They are inviting us 
to our own destiny. To say God has more in store for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when we see them walk in the will of God, we are not intimidated, we are encouraged. He gave this ministry gift until we all come in the unity of the faith. After two years in the church, you must say, ah, I've covered some distance. This is where I was in my understanding. This is where I am now. You must journey. The growth must be obvious for all to see. It must. Growth remains the goal. We must see that clear in our lives. And so in 1 John chapter 1, you know, when many people are quoting 1 John chapter 1, they only read the first two verses where it says the things which we have seen with our eyes, heard with our ears, which our hands have handled of the word of life. You know, that's the part that we read. But when you come to verse 3, he says something important. He reiterates the same thing. He says, that which we have seen and heard, we declare unto you. This is why we preach. He says that you also may have fellowship with us. Come on, are you with me? Meaning by the ministry of the apostles, by the ministry of the ministry gifts, you also should be able to see what they see and handle what they handle. He says so that you may have fellowship with us. He says and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ. Every ministry must kindle in you fellowship with God and his truth and fellowship with the saints. And so the simple charge I have for you this evening is on the power of fellowship. And I'm just going to border on those two. Fellowship with the saints and fellowship with the truth of God. Come on, are you with me? You see, one attack of the enemy in this end time will be to try to sell to you the idea that fellowship with the saints is not possible. Let me tell you something, or it's not important. It's a lie of the enemy, a lie that we must tackle and fight at all costs. You see, fellowship is a vital sign. When you go to the doctor, the first thing that they will do before you even get to see the doctor is to sit before a nurse who will take your vitals. Hallelujah. I said, fellowship is a vital sign. Before you sit before a doctor, he will send you to the nurses to check your vitals, to check your blood pressure, to check your temperature, to check all those basic, basic details about you. And you see, there are some things that will not stand out to you as a layman that will stand out to a doctor. Sometimes you feel you're okay and the doctor might look at someone and say, ah, God loves you for making you come here today. You needed to have been here today. Come on, are you with me? And the same way, spiritually, there are some things that don't stand out to a natural person that are a huge warning sign. When you see someone comfortable alone, it is a huge red flag in the realm of the spirit. Because you see, love for God always comes with love for the saints. And that's why repeatedly you see Paul make this statement. He will put it this way. He says, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love unto the saints. Faith in the Lord Jesus will always translate to love for the saints. You cannot love a man and hate his wife. It doesn't work that way. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
when you, to embrace someone, you must embrace all that the person cares about. You can't claim to love someone and hate the person that the person loves. It just doesn't work that way. You can't love God and hate his body. You will be drawn intuitively to fellowship. You must. What I'm saying, we all know intuitively. And it is true about every other aspect of our lives. Let me tell you something that happened to me. About five years ago, I began to follow the NBA basketball. And I began to follow it closely. And after a while, the passion increased. I knew so much about it. And now it became an, an issue because when I'm watching the games, watching the playoffs, I want to talk about it with someone. And I discovered that because I had a newfound interest, I had to find people who were also interested. You know what I'm saying. Those of you who use Twitter, you hear things like relationship Twitter, you know, and tech Twitter, you know, and things like that. Because there are interest groups. Because when you become passionate about something, intuitively you find fellowship around that thing. And so if you say you are passionate about something and you have not found fellowship, you are suspect. You're suspect. You're suspect. Oh my God, it's a huge warning sign. Listen, isolation is the first reflex of a sinful man. Uh, let me say that again. Isolation is the first reflex of the sinful man. When Adam sinned, this, listen, he was the first person to sin. So it's not like he was reading any rule book. He wasn't following any example. When Adam sinned, intuitively, he went to hide himself. No one told him to. Sin came with an inner intuition for isolation. When you are overtaken with sin, you hide yourself. When you are overtaken with sin, accountability will begin to annoy you. Simple question. Cain, where is Abel? Am I my brother's keeper? Why are you angry? Why are you angry? Have you seen people who are annoyed when you try to get close to them? Let me tell you something. More often than not, they're hiding something. You're hiding. There is a reason people hide. There is a reason people hate accountability. There's a reason people are annoyed when you try to touch their phone. There's a reason. When you see that kind of behavior constant, consistently, there's a reason. Because the first reflex of the sinful man is isolation. You begin to... So, God comes on the scene. And the first question... He didn't even say, Adam, what have you done? His first question was, Adam, where are you? Listen, and we will argue. Ah, did the Bible say we must... Did the Bible... You know... People who are always trying to rationalize and find the most convenient way. There's a reason. Adam was honest. He said, I hid myself because I was naked. That's why. Normally, hiding is not a problem. But there is a reason why. I heard your voice and I hid myself because I was naked. When you see someone who claims to be a believer and wants to be alone there is something he's hiding. And let me tell you something. If there is nothing the person is hiding, there will soon be something. 
because you are creating an environment that can permit some things to grow. Let me tell you something. It is not a prayer point. There are some type of soils that some seeds will not germinate in. Accountability makes some things difficult to thrive. The Bible says that man and his wife, Adam and Eve, it says they were naked and they were not ashamed. That's accountability. That's accountability. When you begin to hide yourself, it's a warning sign. And that's why when we want to restore people, you know, in Galatians chapter 6, it says, if anyone is overtaken in a fault, it says, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. Meaning, for the person to have been overtaken, the person must have been in isolation. So we need to rest. Come on, are you with me? There is a need to bring the person back to fellowship. Because the two go hand in hand. It is isolation that makes some things possible. And so one of the first things that God will do, the moment you believe, you must be added to a church. I'm not talking online. Listen, once in a while, you might not be able to join and you can stream online. Don't be comfortable with that. Don't be comfortable with that. And recognize when God gives you a gift, a ministry gift. I wish I had enough time to, to teach on this. It's one of the greatest and the sharpest sensitivities you can have to see someone and know instantly this is the person to follow. Even if you were meeting Melchizedek the first time, Abraham had this particular gift. He knew how to discern when something was special about someone. This is not an ordinary person. Everyone else might be treating this person this way, but this is, this is a man of God. You must have that sensitivity. And the Bible, this is a teaching in the Word of God. It says, know how to treat strangers because people in so doing have encountered angels. Listen, don't think that every angel, everyone sent by God will just announce himself. It is honor that will expose what is divine many times. So if you, are, if, you are, if you don't acknowledge people, if you don't have, you know, a culture of honor, there are many things you will miss. I don't know how I got here, but since I'm here, I can as well talk about it. Some of you who have heard, on, um, my, heard my teaching on angels know what I'm talking about. Something happened that changed my life, you know. <laughs> oh my God. I'm not really proud of this story, you know, but I'm going to tell you. You know, this was my first year as a believer. Take notes. So I was still growing. I think those of you who are laughing already know the story. That's why. You know, my first year as a believer, you know, and I was struggling with fasting. And for some reason, this particular day I was determined to fast, or at least I thought I was. So I said, for some reason, you know, I just said, heaven and earth, listen to me. Angels, listen to me. I'm going to fast today in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know why I did that. I was a young believer. By the time 2 p.m. reached, it was as if hunger held my intestines and I started squeezing it. Have you felt something like that before? 
Or as if someone is using your intestine to skip. You know? I was like, what kind of hunger is this? You know, I began to rationalize. I said, ah, I have an exam by 5 p.m. You know? If I enter the exam hall like this, I might not write the exam while I was rationalizing. So I went, you know, to the cafeteria to eat. And something interesting happened. On the queue to buy food, there were just three of us. There was an elderly lady who clearly wasn't a student, and I wondered what she was doing there. She didn't look nice, respectfully. She didn't look nice, she just looked shabby and, you know, and there was, I was in the middle and there was someone in my front. But out of respect, the person who was serving stretched her hand to the back to serve the elderly lady first. And much to my amazement, the person in front protested and said, can't you see I'm here first? So I looked to say, you know, what kind of upbringing do people have? You know, but anyway, and the person who was selling, you know, just out of respect, you know, just wanted to follow the queue also. So she just told the woman, don't worry, I'll come back to you, ma. And sold to the guy. And I was just looking, wow. So when it was my turn, I was next, I just said, oh no, please serve her first. And so the woman started talking to me. She said, how are you? I said, fine. She said, you want to eat? God saved me. I almost gave her troopers. <laughs> you know? I said, mm-mm, I, I came to press my clothes. <laughs> you know? God saved me. That's why you need to be careful. This general, you know the Bible says, say not to the angels is a joke. Angels, oh yeah, it's cruiser. <laughs> you know, you know. Ask Zachariah if you think I'm joking. <laughs> you know. So I just said yes. And she said, I thought you were fasting. You know. So at first I didn't get. You know when you hear something and you just so I laughed. Ah, you know, but she was still looking at me. So, honestly, my first year as a believer, I was very slow. So, I it still didn't, you know, I just bought my food, went to sit. And the same way you see in the movies, that's the best way I can describe it. In a flash, everything that happened just came before my face. Bah, bah, bah. You know, you want to eat? I thought you were fasting. And then I just knew. Oh my God, what just happened? By the time I looked, the woman, the place she was approaching, the place she was walking towards, there was no door. So she was walking towards a wall. So I knew that she had disappeared. You know, and that's one of (laughs) the strange experiences I've had. There are many, there are at least three experiences I've had like that in such a way that it was just, let me put it this way, good behavior. I'm telling you, good behavior. So, I mean, you're going to miss out on many things in the realm of the spirits if you don't learn to discern honor. The Bible says, once upon a time, we knew men all after the flesh. 
but henceforth know we know man. Come on, are you with me? You need to learn to discern people according to who they are in God. Amen, somebody. The next very important thing I want to talk about is fellowship with the truth. Fellowship with the truth. Oh my God, this is so important. Turn to Bible's Ephesians chapter 3 from verse 14. Telemoko protelevida karonge sepeli ruse kapataya entongreses. Listen to me. You will get what you came for. That was for someone. Ephesians chapter 3 from verse 14. It says, For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, when you read this, you can feel the emotions of the writer. Paul was saying something he was passionate about. This was a passionate prayer. I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he will grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in your inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you are being rooted and grounded with love, in love, verse 18, everybody read together, want to go, may be able to comprehend with the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height. Listen, oh God. It says that you will be able to comprehend with the saints. He wants you to understand what they understand. Listen, this is what I was saying that John was talking about. I want you to have fellowship with us, he said. I have seen, I have heard, my hands have handled, and I'm bringing you this message so that you can have fellowship with us. And Paul makes the same passionate prayer that you comprehend what we comprehend. He says the length, the depth, the breadth. He wants you to see and embrace the whole thing. And this is true fellowship. Not that you come to church regularly. That's just a means to an end. That's the beginning. That's not where it ends. True fellowship is comprehending with the saints. Come on, are you with me? Understanding what God will have you understand. Listen, fellowship is not proximity. Just because you come to church doesn't make you a Christian. Doesn't make you a deep child of God. Just because you are in a garage doesn't make you a car. God has more in store for you. He says, you see, Paul was talking to church goers. He was talking to church goers. He says, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. I'm praying that you comprehend with the saints. This comprehension is important. That's why he prayed the way he prayed. Listen, Paul prayed many times. In no other instance, did he say, I'm going to have to bow my knees for this one? Come on, are you with me? You know, in a prayer meeting, there are some prayer points that touch you. You know this one is personal. And it makes you kneel. Has that happened to you before? The rest, you know, you were praying. You know, but this one, you say, I have to kneel for this one. So this is how important this is to Paul. He says, I'm, I'm going to kneel for, kneel for this one. Because God wants you to really comprehend with the saints. The length, the depth the breath. 
fellowship, like I said, is not proximity. You can be in the same house, under the same roof with someone and not have fellowship with the person. It's deeper than proximity. You can be talking to someone and not have fellowship with the person. Some of you know, when they're asking you a question and you're giving one answer. How are you? Fine. How was your day? Good. How is the food? Sometimes you even use sign language. You just do your analogies. You know? I think that's the worst. But then you can have fellowship with someone you don't even know. The first time I experienced this, I went to, um, you know, for NYC and in the campground, I woke up earlier than everyone else to pray. And I thought I was the only one. So, but because I couldn't really go out, I stayed on my bunk and I was praying. As I was praying there, I saw the blanket in the upper bunk close to me. The blanket was vibrating. Eh? So as I put my ear closer, I saw that guy too was praying. Instantly, we just felt close. I just felt that's my guy. You know? So I was like, finish, make I see who you be. You know? Let me, <laughs> let me heal you. <laughs> you know? So that's fellowship. When you share something in common with someone, that's the Greek word is koinonia. Come on, are you with me? Something in common. God wants you to see what we see, touch what we touch, experience what we experience, so that your eyes will see it too, so that your ears will hear it too, so your hands will handle it also. That's what Ephesians 4.11 is about. When it says, till we all come. 11 to 13. He wants you to, to experience it. And he's praying passionately that that's going to happen to you. Don't think that just because you are in church, it is happening. Let me tell you something. You can experience a healing and not know the fellowship I'm talking about. This is why the first night of every apostolic visit, I try to explain the gospel first. We can do miracle the next day. Even though miracles will happen today. Do you understand? But this is important. Jesus can multiply five loaves and two fish and you still don't know him. You, you have to understand that. That's not fellowship. And listen, some people camp around that thinking they have a Christian experience, not knowing that that's just a religious experience. Listen, if you come to church regularly, focusing on what you can get, God bless me, bless me, bless me. That's all you pray about. That's all you hear about. Listen, that's not going on here. Jesus didn't need to die for that. Before Jesus died, Jesus healed. Before Jesus died, Jesus provided. But that was not koinonia. That was not fellowship. 
not fellowship. There are three levels of revelation. And I just want to draw a lesson, a very simple lesson from a story, you know, that happened in John chapter 4. You know the story of the woman at the well? Three levels of revelation. The revelation of Christ. There's a revelation of Jesus as a man. You know, no body who is a professional in history believes Jesus didn't exist. Some are yet to understand that he's the son of God and that, I mean, he died for mankind and that his blood was efficacious for the blotting of sins. But there is the unanimous agreement that there was a man in history named Jesus who was killed and died the death, some say, death of a criminal. And some people, that's all he is to them. He's just a man. And so think about what that woman thought when she walked to the well and saw a man. In fact, I'm going to make an argument. She, just, she didn't just see a man, she saw a fine man. So she was seeing some... She didn't say, you know, if you see Jesus, you say, oh, look, Bala, you know, Savior, you know. She probably saw some nails. And so when she came close and Jesus said, give me a drink. First and foremost, she was flattered at the fact that Jesus would even talk to her because she knew from his dressing he was a Jew and Jewish people had this superiority complex. They felt that they were closer to God than everyone else. So she was surprised. How come you are a Jew and you're talking to me? Because the Bible says Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. How come? And Jesus is helping us see. He's giving us an intimation. There is more to me, you know, than you see. He says, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is who is talking to you. You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Because the water that you drink, if you drink it, you will thirst again. But the water that I give will be a well springing up to everlasting life. You know, in her mind, she's like, oh, not only is he fine, he's rich. <laughs> because it was a symbol of wells to have wells in those days just like we have oil wells today like, oh he has wells rich guy Jesus says go call your husband he said I don't have any husband she had five when you ask a woman are, are you seeing someone he said mm, it's complicated she's, she's leaving space just in case It's like she was, she was feeling him. <laughs> Just saw him. Oh, a nice guy. He's talking to me. Oh, so cute. This is this. She didn't see anything divine, at least not yet. But then it came to a second level. When she said, I don't have a husband. You know what Jesus said? Yeah, yeah. Well, I won't really put it from you when you say you don't have a husband because you have five. And the person you're living with is not your husband. And she goes, oh, he's actually a prophet too. <laughs> and that's the next level of revelation. 
Some say, oh, we give it to Jesus. He actually had special powers. Wisdom and miracle worker, you know. So some say he had psychic abilities. Some religions like Islam say he's not the son of God, but he's a prophet. Now that's a second level of revelation. The woman went from, you know, just seeing him as a mere man to say, I perceive you are a prophet. She actually said, I perceive you are a prophet. Even asked him Bible questions. Some people, they treat Jesus like all he is to them is a prophet. They bring all their problems to him. When they are okay, they don't pray. There are some people who only pray when they have problems. God knows you when he hears your voice. He knows that. <laughs> you know, the sad thing is, some of us, that's how we treat our parents. That's how we treat loved ones. When, see, even when you agree, ah, how is everything? Ask the family, they say, fine, what do you want? <laughs> if that's you, you ought to repent. Listen, make no mistake, at the level of him being a prophet, that's still special. Jesus could answer an age-long question. She said, ah, you are a prophet. Hey, hey, I've been hoping to see a prophet because there's this question that has been bothering me. You Jews say Jerusalem is the place to worship. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. Where is the place to worship? And with confidence and precision, Jesus answered in prophetic fashion. So now, that, that, that has its specs. That has its advantages. But there is more. Come on, are you with me? There is more. There's more to Jesus than the healing he can give you. There's more to Jesus than the provision he can give you. You know, and, I, and, and you see, I, I often say, many times to lure people to more, God will give them miracles even if their motives are wrong. But a time will come. The same Jesus that multiplied five loaves and two fish and seven loaves and two fish, when you come to him to say, I want more, he will say, mm -mm, no bread again. I am the bread. It's a level of growth. You move from seeking Jesus for the, bre for the bread that he gives to seeking him for the bread that he is. I am the bread come from heaven. Labor not for meat that perishes. A time will come where coming to church every day just to pray, God bless me, my next job. My ne You'll be tired of it. You come to a point of maturity where you want to hear sound doctrine. I want to understand this Bible. I want to know God. I want to pray and feel like, like, like who I am in Christ. I want to know who I am in Christ. It's a level of growth. I'm tired of give me, give me. My name is Jimmy Christianity. I want to know who God is. I want to know what he has done. I want to know who I am in him. Isn't it a shame that the Jews were waiting for Jesus for centuries. He came 33 and a half years and they didn't know. And some people, that's how clueless they are. Even if Jesus came in a red heart, they won't still know. 
Some can't recognize a move of God. They cannot, they cannot differentiate an altar from something they should use as a pillow. You know, their senses are so dull. God can be moving in a place and some people don't even know. One of the soldiers that came to arrest Jesus, as he came close, the power of God hit him, he fell down. He got up and still arrested Jesus. <laughs> you know? And then, in his defense, he probably was afraid. That's another thing. Some of us is what people would think, the implications. Because if you go back as a Roman soldier and say, I'm not arresting him again. <laughs> there are implications. But then how, how do you feel? The hand that healed nations, you stretched it over a cross and nailed it. I'm going to teach you about the power of honor tomorrow. Just because someone is a man of God doesn't mean you will receive from him. There is a disposition. Are you with me? Because you see, the same Jesus that someone came with intent and touched him and virtue flowed, everyone is strong in him. Pressing against him in the crowd. Maybe you just want a selfie. That's what you want. Some know him as a man. And like I quoted earlier, 2 Corinthians 5.16 Once we knew him after the flesh, hence what know we him no more. Sometimes I try to picture what it would have been like for Mary to raise Jesus. That baby you are catering for and breastfeeding created you. Gave you the very life that you have, the breath in your nostrils. You know, what would it have been like? What kind of, you know, what kind of consciousness must you have? You see him not just as a baby. The wise men came into the manger. You know, you've read it. Maybe it never really dawned on you. They worshipped a baby. Listen, it's one thing for you to see a grown man and say, oh, this is Jesus, the Son of God, and worship him but he was still very much the son of God as a baby. So they entered the manger and they fell down and worshipped. Think about that. Did it ever occur to you? Do you know what it means? So that means they had honor beyond what was natural. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some people cannot see beyond the natural. For you to honor a baby like that, to fall down. Uh, you know, I, I often say, mangers don't smell nice. These guys were influential guys. Part of the gifts they gave was gold, so they were not poor. But they didn't care. They didn't, they didn't stand outside and say, hey, Mary, bring him out. <laughs> you know? They entered. They might have stepped on poop. They didn't care. And with their fancy clothes, they fell down and worshipped a baby. Because he was not just a baby. 
it takes understanding, spiritual depth and insight to see beyond the manger. Smell beyond what you can smell and see the Son of God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh. See beyond just the man. See beyond just the prophets. One day he said, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And some said, some said you are Elias. But he was more than a prophet. Peter, speaking by the Spirit, said, you are the Christ. The Son of the living God. So that woman, after saying, I perceive you are a prophet, asking him a question and he answers. She then said, Anyway, I know that the Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will teach us all things. And then he says, the person speaking to you is the Messiah. You can, you, it's possible that you have been interacting with him since and you don't know. You can be in church and not hear the gospel. Did you hear what I just said? Someone said, the church today is, is, is a big mission field. There are many people in the church who have not heard the gospel. Because, you see, I discovered years ago that the church, many churches, have not mastered their primary business. They know everything except what they must know. The average church does not know how to win a soul. Are you aware? Because everything we do is fabricated. You know, is the invention of men. And listen, this is how to know how fabricated it is. And how much a liar has been in office. When I say it, it might even unsettle you until you think about it well. Our approach. We think that for anyone to be saved, there must be an altar call. I'm not saying altar calls is wrong. But I'm saying it's just a good idea. You must separate a good idea from something that the Bible definitively teaches. Nowhere in the Bible do you see Peter say, if there's any honest person here who will say, Brother Peter, you know, <laughs> come forward. Anybody here? Yo, give Jesus a big hand. That lady at the back. You know, it's, it's good. We're going to do it. <laughs> I will explain why. <laughs> I will explain why. But it is not the altar call that gets you saved. You come out to acknowledge salvation. I will explain why. In, in just give me a few minutes. There is no sinner's prayer in the Bible. Anywhere you see a sinner's prayer, it was fabricated. And you wonder... How come something as important as sinner's prayer is not in the Bible? The reason is simple. Sinners don't get saved by praying. They get saved by believing. He says, if you shall believe in your heart the Lord Jesus. He's not talking about pray. He says, believe in your heart the Lord Jesus and confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. You don't get saved by praying. You get saved by believing. For with a heart, man believes unto righteousness. 
with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's a declaration of faith, not a prayer. So many things we have fabricated. You hear words like rededicate your life to Christ. See, even the term give your life to Christ is wrong. In salvation, listen, in salvation, Christ gave you his life. You are not the one giving. You are the one receiving. He gave you his life. You receive. So now, when you have received the life of Christ, you can give your life to Christ in consecration and in ministry. You can devote your life to ministry. But that's not salvation. That's ministry. That's consecration. So even, so now, years ago I was thinking, what do we know about this? Like we are getting almost everything wrong. If it is to dance, we know how to dance. If it is to have program, we know how to have program. How come we have not figured out how to get a soul saved? Nowhere in the Bible will you see rededicate. Because, listen, you don't get born again by dedication. So you cannot rededicate. You are either saved or you are not. So, listen... If you have been unserious, you just get serious. So Paul says, say unto Archippus, take heed to the ministry you have received of the Lord. So Archippus can just choose to get serious, to be sober and vigilant. But when you come back and say, Father, I know I'm not worthy to be called your son. You say, ah. <laughs> Why? Why? <laughs> How? Accept me as your son again. Ah, ah. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Some of you have been born again, 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 again. <laughs> so much angels are like, here we go again. You know? <laughs> See why I did it? I, I just, I just keep that in. I, I can preach. <laughs> you know? It doesn't really work that way. If you are a son, you are a son. You carry the DNA. So if you have been misbehaving, you just get serious. So even if you are prodigal, you leave the house. After all those years, if in your mind though, you are saying, I will come back as a servant. When the father sees you, he will hug you and scream, my son is back. He doesn't call you servant. You were always son. And listen, because of wrong teaching, many of us have wasted time. We were so sure God would never accept us back. Meanwhile, the father had been watching, waiting for his son to come back. The moment he saw his son from afar, he ran to him. He didn't wait for the son to come and say, sin of permission, commission, omission, you know. He didn't wait for that. He ran to him and hugged him. So listen, if you are here, it doesn't matter how long you've been away. Come back! And listen, and just get serious. You know, do you want to know how to pray? You just say, Father, I've been unserious. I've been living in a way that is inconsistent with my nature. From today, I choose to live like who I am. 
choose to live like who I am. You know what the Bible says? He said, lay aside every weight. And the sin that easily besets you. Just get serious. Lord, this is a weight. This, this wrong association is a weight. I lay it aside. So you pick your phone. You delete some numbers. Are, are you with me? Yes, uh-huh. uh, this wrong association. So I will change my association now. I lay aside every weight. The sin that easily besets me. And I run with patience. Lord, it's a new day for me. It's a new day for me. I walk like who I am. And then, if you were not born again before, you hear the preaching of the gospel and you believe it. Even before the altar call, you are saved. In Cornelius' house, as Peter was still talking, he says, while he yet spake the words, before Peter could finish and say, so do you believe if you can put your hand on your chest? No. <laughs> because, can I tell you the truth? It is the Holy Ghost that knows the exact moment faith enters your heart. So that exact moment, even if the sermon is still going on, you are saved. The moment you just believe that, ah, this is true. I believe it. Jesus died for me. He rose again. I believe. I believe. Even if the reason why it's important you come out is so that we can know who you are and then encourage you in the Lord. We can add you to the church. We can give you tools that will help you grow. But you don't come out to be saved. It's not a biblical teaching. It's, it's, it's good for church structure. It's not a biblical requirement. Come on, are you with me? You don't have to pray. Cornelius did not pray. He just believed. The moment he believed, the Bible says the Holy Ghost fell on all them. He received the Holy Ghost, meaning he received new life. Come on, are you with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The moment you believe, that Jesus died for you and so you must live for him. You're, you're ready to live for him. You believe that God raised him from the dead and so God can raise you up because you believe. The moment you do that, the Bible says you are saved. With the heart man believes unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You can go a step further and acknowledge what you have said in your heart. Your heart and your mouth must align. And say, Father, I believe. You died for me. Ah, I'll never die. Because you already died. <laughs> I will not perish. Because you already perished. That whosoever believes, ah, I'm whosoever, should not perish, but have everlasting life. I believe and I receive eternal life. how to be saved and then when you experience that you receive the very material for koinonia the Holy Spirit when you have the Holy Spirit and I have the Holy Spirit we have something in common and that's what koinonia is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit 
the Bible says, be with you now and forever. So listen, even after this meeting, when you go, we still have fellowship, even if we're no longer together physically, because we have something in common. That's what koinonia is. Something in common. We have the Holy Ghost in common. And we're here to bask in the glory of the Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just worship Him right now. Your grace has found me just as I am. Empty-handed, but alive in your hand. You see, all my life, very few people understood me. Very few people just really looked at me and just liked me for who I am. I'm not talking about now when I'm a little famous. I'm talking about then. But the fact that no matter where you've been, your background, what you've done, you believe and he ac ac accepts you into his family. Listen, that changes your life. No wonder people who are in Christ are so bold, are so confident. Because listen, it doesn't matter who else doesn't accept you. It doesn't matter who else doesn't believe in you. You know what, does, what, what people say? One with God is majority. No wonder Paul said, what can separate me from the love of Christ? He said, things present or things to come, life, death, angels, demons, peril, sword, nakedness, in all these things, more than a conqueror through him that loves me. There is a confidence that love in Christ imbibes in you, just puts inside you. I want you to have this love. If you don't have it yet, believe in this love. Have faith in this love. Boast in this love. It will change your life forever. In the presence, in the presence, keep a higher. Say, Your grace has found me just as I am. Your grace just as I am. listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.